0: Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. This is the material podcast episode number 245 recorded live in front of an audience of one on March 20th, 2020. I am your host, Florence Ion. I bet you didn't expect to hear my voice so soon. Andy is out this week, but I am here this week. And yes, it's true. I was gone to have a baby for a while and I do have her, and she's here. Her name is Mona, and she's upstairs, currently yelling in the face of her other parent. So uh, I just want to thank him here on the podcast for taking over so that I could be here to talk to you about what the heck is going on with Google this week. Uh, It's been an interesting week. So the child herself... Uh, she, she's pretty demanding. No. Okay. I the, So I had a segue all planned out for this and this is just not, it's not happening. So we're going to pretend that this segue happened and that it was beautiful. And you're all going to sit here with me in this awkwardness. Um, I was going to make some sort of segue about how the American government is just as demanding as a baby. Um, and the the connection I was going to make is the fact that the American government has been demanding a website that uh, lists testing sites for the coronavirus in the U.S. And then I was going to tell you all how we're going to get to that in a bit. And I had this all written down in my little doc, uh, but it didn't work. It didn't materialize on material. So that's okay, because because I feel safe enough here to allow the awkwardness of this to just kind of... So thank you for holding space for me and my awkwardness Anyway, before we get into the serious news that has been hitting this week I actually want to just kind of ask y'all how you've been doing Okay, everyone is in a state of validated panic right now completely understandable. And I'm noticing, you know, I've been on social media a lot this week, A, because again, I'm at home stuck with a newborn and um, it gets kind of isolating when you're just with a baby all day. And, you know, B, everybody else is also isolated in their own homes right now because we are experiencing a global pandemic. And I know some of you tune into this podcast to get away from the reality of it all, but I want to just sit in it for a little bit and kind of talk about it because it is happening. But thankfully, we have technology around us to kind of help uh just kind of help make things a little easier, right? I mean, that's what we kind of hope for. So, one thing I was trying to do, so in about an hour after I'm finished piecing together this podcast. I'm doing an online hangout via hangouts. And I'm feeling kind of antiquated because I'm noticing that everybody this week is, I mean, if you had stock in zoom, you're probably the only person right now who has made any money because the usage of zoom, I just, I'm speaking anecdotally depending just based off of what people have posted on social media it's gone up tenfold. I did not know anybody to use Zoom willingly before this week happened, before all these shelter-in-places, you know, got into place. And I am floored at how many people have just found usefulness in this in this uh, video conferencing client. Now, My understanding is that they launched an update that made it a lot more useful. I guess you could do like green screens and all this other fun stuff, um, you know, that you've been able to do with a Mac for years, which I guess has made it great. I think there's screen sharing that some of my friends who are teachers and uh, tutors are using to kind of keep up with their kids virtually, which I think is great. So before I knew that Zoom had all these things, because I've only known Zoom to be this is the client that we're going to use for a meeting. And I'm like, great, I I guess I'll put on my proverbial suit and tie to come into this meeting using Zoom. Well, I decided that I would do my social online hangout this week uh, using Hangouts, Google Hangouts, remember? It still exists. And I know that we talk about Google's messaging strategy and not really knowing what's going on. But I'm still holding out hope that Hangouts is a thing. So I was like, hey, you know what? I'll send out a Google Calendar invite. Google Calendar will make a room for us in Hangouts. And then all you have to do is tap on the link or click on it if you're coming from your computer, and then you can join the room. It'll turn on your camera. It'll turn on your mic. Boom, we're hanging out. We're having a happy hour over the internet. Today, I was thinking, hey, you know, it'd be a great idea is if I see if I can do anything fun with Hangouts, you know, a la Twitch streaming, because I've, you know, I've set up OBS to do all these things. I have closed captioning. I have music input. I can, you know, play, have a playlist play from Digitally Imported and VLC and then have the track listing show up in Twitch so that uh, I'm not, you know infringing on copyright and people know what I'm listening to in the background. So I was hoping to kind of do the same thing for the online hangout because it's supposed to be a happy hour and usually when you're in a bar or in a social setting, you have some music in the background. It's not just like quiet and awkward and people logging on. Well, I apparently missed the memo. I probably didn't miss this memo because we probably did a show about it last year, but apparently I missed the memo that hangouts on air is just completely done so. So I went down a Google Hole, as you do, to try and see if I could find any plugins or anything. And like Hangouts has just been stripped bare of all the things that I knew you could be able to do with it. I mean, it's it literally it is just a chat and video client. It just it integrates with your Google stuff, and that is kind of it. It just exists there as a thing that has existed, and I know that there are plans for it coming soon, but that doesn't really help me in this situation in the next 40 minutes because people are going to be logging on, and there's not going to be any music. It's just going to be those of us awkwardly logging in. Some of us haven't done our hair. I'm raising my hand right here alone. I have not done my hair for this virtual hangout, um. So we'll see, we'll see how this goes. Uh, you know what? I will, I will let you all know how it goes. Um, I'm again feeling behind the curve for suggesting Google Hangouts because apparently there are other video clients out there that are much more sophisticated. Hmm, I guess I'm living in the past. Uh, anyway, I know a lot of you are stuck at home. This week, I mean, we're all, majority of us are stuck at home, and it's kind of a bummer. I, I know it's been really hard on a lot of parents out there with children who are of school age. Um, I mean, I'm a parent now, but I just have this little baby who just demands for things. And the de- her demands are fairly simple. She either wants to eat, she either wants to sleep, she either wants to be held, or she needs a diaper change. So it's really it's just you go down the line until you, you know, process of elimination here. You don't really have that with older kids. And a lot of uh, friends that I've been checking in this week, they're like, my kid just wants to go to school. Like, that's where they go and that's their routine. That's the thing they do. Like, we go to work, 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 and um, they go to school. And a lot of parents this week, I've been checking in with them, they've had to basically become the teachers and become homeschoolers at home. And, you know, I have friends who are like digging deep into the past of elementary school math that they've learned. And they're just like, how do you teach long division? And, you know, I'm realizing, like, I don't know, maybe I should prepare myself for when Mona becomes of age, but neither here nor there. So I was, you know, on Twitter today and I saw that uh, Google has launched a site called Teach From Home. So in the last week, they sort of launched a bunch of uh, online resources to kind of help teachers and parents who are at home kind of teaching their kids They've launched a collection of training materials. A bunch. They've launched a list of useful apps just to kind of help you navigate like what you can use in the Google sphere to help you do this virtual learning process. They launched a learn at home YouTube resource channel that's designed for families. So one safe thing you could do on YouTube um, in between navigating all the unsafe things that you can do on YouTube. They've also put out a bunch of blog posts and webinars, um, and they have made their premium meet features free for schools through July 1st, 2020. So this includes the ability to have 250 people in a call together, uh, the ability to record lessons and live stream them. And (laughs) they've also added educator controls for Hangouts Meet, I'm not an educator, so I don't get access to these things for my happy hour hangout. So, bummer. I think it would have been fun to have a virtual chalkboard or something of the sort to have with my friends. This is like the first drink I've had, by the way, in nearly a year, okay? I haven't had a drink in a very long time because of my child, and today was going to be the debut of my drinking. We were originally going to go to a champagne bar, but anyway, this isn't about me. I mean, this is about me because I'm one of the hosts on this podcast and Andy isn't here to regulate me. So <laughs> huh. uh, anyway, so Google launched Teach from Home this week. It is a central hub of information, tips, training, and tools from across Google for education to help teachers keep teaching even when they are in the classroom. So the toolkit, it's a PDF form. You can download it, it comes in the variety of languages, and it basically shows you how to access all the things that I just mentioned. Um, parents, I'm sure you could finagle this in your own way to kind of see what Google's made available for you to help you out. Um, but everybody's pretty much using Zoom <laughs> for the, the parents, I mean, not the teachers. I know teachers have access to a different kind of resources, but the parents that I know are using Zoom. Um. I don't know. You know what? Send me a tweet if you'd like. Um, Or if you're in my Discord and you listen to the show, you can just send me a message. Kind of let me know how you are weathering this life change right now with your kids at home. I know it's tough. Um, California governor has said not to expect kids to go back to school at all this year. I know that we're trying to all kind of be grateful and look at the bright side of life. Yay, we get to be at home with our families and all this but um, it's it's kind of hard to have life go on when you were kind of thrust into something that you weren't really expecting to happen. And if there's anyone out there with some like tips, even if it's not like Google related, if it's just something you figure out how to do virtually um, with using the tech that already exists in your home, I think it'd be really great if you reach out to me because I would love to offer some tips. I know there's a lot of parents that tune into the show and that there's a lot of parents that are at home with their kids trying to act as parent, provider, and teacher right now. Uh, And I know know technology can help us in these times. So, you know, let me know. Let me know. All right. So we're going to actually go into a break. I need a break. I need a water break. Uh, And then we're going to get to our first topic of the week. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Do you have a website? And does your website have a shopping cart, registration form, or contact us page? If you answered yes to these questions, then you need Pingdom. Nobody wants their critical website transactions to fail. That means a bad experience for your users and could mean lost business for you. But the good news is you can set up transaction monitoring with Pingdom. Transaction monitoring will alert you when cart checkout, forms, and login pages fail before they affect your customers and your business. Pingdom will let you know the moment any of these fail in whatever way is best for you. You can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the outage severity. Pingdom cares about your users having the smoothest site experience possible. And if disaster strikes, you will be the first to know. It's super easy to get started. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. When you sign up, use the code MATERIAL at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and RelayFM. We are living in a weird time, folks. Um, I i mean, it's the, the least that I could say about what's going on right now. I was not expecting that my maternity leave, I was expecting to be isolated and just kind of like at home, entering this new life uh, with this baby and kind of figuring out life as a parent to a newborn. And, um, you know, I was hoping to kind of have to kind of take it easy, take it slow. I did not expect the things that took place this week which was the shelter in place. Um the county that I live in was one of the last counties that in the bay area that implemented the shelter in place and it it's it's a ghost town out here in the suburbs. Like even more so than it is already cuz granted the suburbs are usually pretty quiet as it is, but I mean it is super quiet, like people not really out walking as much. Um, we've been, my husband and the baby and I have been going out to kind of take short 20, 30 minute walks around the neighborhood. We live in a really hilly neighborhood. So it's been kind of like the most exercise we've gotten, which, you know, it helps. Um, and usually the sidewalks are much more filled with people walking their dogs or what have you, but it's been a little scarce out there. Um, I live next to a playground, and the playground has been empty except for like a couple of kids around there, you know, with with the parent. So it's been an interesting week. Uh, it's been an interesting week. I, again, I was not expecting for the whole world to be on leave with me. I'm even noticing like my cousins in Romania, we've been, we've been checking in through Instagram and they are on shelter in place as well in the big city and in, in Bucharest. And uh, we're all just kind of checking in with each other and just being like, yeah, this is, this is what's happening right now. Uh, and of course, as this is happening, Silicon Valley is still churning, Uh still churning out, apps and things. Granted, Silicon Valley is working from home, but they are still working. So there's still things happening. And because we live in the world of technology, it's a lot, you know, we really have to, I just want to say out there, I'm really incredibly grateful for the ability to work from home and to work remotely in a time like this, because um, it's just, this is a really hard time for a lot of people. I do want to kind of make this an escape for those of you listening. I don't want to completely bog you down with all the things that I've been reading this week in between feedings about what's going on in the world. I I suppose you could go out and do your own research about what's going on. So I'm, you know, I'm just going to get into the news. So last week, uh, the U.S. president... Trump revealed in a news conference, um, much to Google's surprise that Google would be launching a website that would help folks find places to get treatment for the coronavirus. Um, I was watching Twitter when this was happening and all of a sudden this stream comes in. It's just people going, Hmm, it's First of all, it's not Google doing it. It's Alphabet, and it's Alphabet's uh, medical research arm called Verily, which is spelled V-E-R-I-L-Y for anybody who wants to go down their own Google rabbit hole. So Trump had claimed that 1,700 engineers at Google were working on a coronavirus test-finding tool that would be ready in a few days. He did this press conference last Friday. Um, it is now Friday, so literally seven days ago. He said that the tool would have been ready Early this week, um, the engineers at Verily they were justifiably freaked out because this was not a ver this was not a thing that was verified. There was not an internal uh, meeting about this between employees that this was going to be happening. There were just people typing and working away, engineers, developers, folks typing away to to get this um, testing app out. So, flash forward to this week, March sixteenth, the day before St. Patty's Day, which some people still partook in, despite the shelter in place. Tis tisk. Uh, Verily launched Project Baseline, uh, so that's what it is called. Uh, it's called Project Baseline. So, this is only a pilot app. This is not a full blown. Uh, service that is operating everywhere in the United States. Um, <laughs> and right now it only works in two Bay area counties, which if you know how big California is, uh, that is a tiny, tiny, like 1% fraction of California. Let's just, let's just say it's 1%. Um, it only works in San Mateo County and Santa Clara County, which are the two counties that border Google Well, Google HQ is in San Mateo County, so the other county is the one that borders Google headquarters. Um, (laughs) The site, uh, Project Baseline, actually crashed upon launch. Uh, I'm going to link you to a New York Times article about that in the show notes. Um, It was telling people... With symptoms of the virus, so there are also a bunch of other things that happened. Like there were a bunch of things that went wrong upon launch, so it crashed upon launch, and it was telling people with symptoms of the virus uh, that they were not eligible for the screening program. Um, So the way that Project Baseline works is you basically log in, you take a you take a questionnaire, and it kind of figures out what your status is and if you should go in for testing for the coronavirus, uh, also known as COVID-19, FYI. So folks are asked to create an account with Google or log in with their existing Google account to take this questionnaire. And they also have to sign an authorization form. And if your brain is screaming, whoa, HIPAA, I'm there with you because it's also screaming, my brain is screaming that as well. So within a few hours of launching Project Baseline, uh, Verily said that it could not schedule any more appointments at the time because it had reached capacity. So it's scheduling appointments in that Santa Clara County, San Mateo office. Uh, people can go in there and get tested. They get a long swab pushed into their nostril, I believe. Like it just gets shoved up in there. Um Comfort, uncomfortably shoved up in there. Uh, I don't know. I, I've been reading about the testing methodology, you know, cause I'm curious. So the site has a description. It says public health officials globally, are working together to combat the COVID-19 pandemic. Expanding access to reliable screening is critical to containment efforts. The COVID-19 program is a collaboration between Verily's Project Baseline and the state of California to expand access to COVID-19 screening and testing in areas with a high volume of known cases. So when you visit the website, uh, which is projectbaseline.com, you go there, you learn what Verily is, how to become eligible for testing, and where to go to get screened. Um, again, you can only get screened in California. Bummer. So the monetary cost for testing is free, but you do pay with your data. So Slate actually wrote a really interesting piece uh, discussing what you have to do, what you have to disclose when you log in. Uh, again, I will link that in the show notes so that you can go check it out afterwards. So um, the Slate article writes, Visitors must sign in with an existing Google account or create a new one, which requires providing a phone number. Once admitted, users are asked about their age, gender, travel history, health status, and contact with people who may have been exposed to the novel coronavirus. Based on those answers, the portal calculates a COVID-19 risk score. So it's kind of what I explained earlier. Um, Now, it's worth... Noting like I have been going to the doctor a lot this last year because of this baby and every time I had gone in I was asked so before I was still getting asked about Zika virus because it's still affecting folks around the world and especially if you're pregnant or uh, or what have you expecting and they're asking these questions of you because um, because Zika can affect the fetus. Then I noticed toward the end of my pregnancy, when coronavirus was kind of starting to to uh, take take fold, I guess that the questions, the list of questions, started to get longer when I was going into the doctor. (laughs) But of course, when you're at the doctor's office, like that's okay because I'm in a room with just the doctor, and I'm feeling I'm feeling protected in our little bubble. The doctor is just going to share this with well, she's going to share it with my online health account. So I guess it's stored there. But but see, those uh, the hospitals that have these systems, they've been in testing for a long time. Um, I imagine they have some sort of uh, encryption that kind of keeps things locked away. Um, this is you giving your data to Alphabet slash Google, which might In this day and age, and just what we've been talking about on the material podcast for the past couple of years, might make you feel a little weird because you're basically. I mean, a hospital is a private entity, but when you walk into a hospital, it's like you already have made that contract with yourself. Like, I'm in a hospital, I will do everything I need to do here at the hospital or the medical center to make sure that I am taken care of. When you're logging online to a website, things are a little bit more dubious. You're not making that contract with yourself. Like, this is safe. This is the thing that I need to do for my safety. But considering we're all, like, locked in our houses right now, um, this is kind of the way to, to do this so that you can get help. I mean, I'm hearing reports from folks that they're calling into hospitals and there's, like, long wait times to figure out what to do. So I can imagine that this is something that, you know... You want to get launched out there to kind of help people. So when you log into Project Baseline, Alphabet discloses that it will not share any information with insurance or medical providers without your consent and that you and your doctor will make the decisions about your care going forward. But you're still giving all of this really crucial, sensitive data about yourself. I mean, you're you're giving it your age, your email address, and if it's your Google account, I mean, you are listening to material. So I'm assuming you're a Google person. So you have all that information uh, locked away. Alphabet says, you know, it will keep your data private. Uh, They write on the site, Project Baseline site, they say, we are committed to maintaining high privacy standards and keeping your data safe. Project Baseline follows federal and state regulations governing the collection and use of an individual's data. Data is stored in advanced systems with security and privacy protocols. Sure, that's great. Um, but you're also still handing over your information for an algorithm to essentially determine your worthiness of testing. I'm wondering here in my own little like editorial note, isn't it enough to know that you were in contact with someone who has the virus? I I also can't help but feel that this would not be needed if we had enough tests <laughs> for people to just kind of go in and get tested. Um Those of you who have been following along with the news, the U.S. has a very limited number of tests, which is making it very difficult for people en masse to go get tested for this virus. And it's particularly frustrating for a multitude of reasons that I will not get into because we will really veer off track here about America and the way things are handled here. But it is especially frustrating because that means that we have to queue up and it's like – is basically like what's happening in Italy, which is that people have to be prioritized for who can get the test and who can't. And this is just – like lives are at stake here. So for this to be the – for this to be the way that things are being handled is – frankly kind of ludicrous um it's it, and it adds to the chaos that's already ensued globally um so the writer who wrote this article at slate uh their name is mason Marks. Uh, they they make a really good point in their write-up Verily's portal may constitute the largest acquisition of U.S. health data by private companies to date. It is part of a broader trend in which public health functions, typically performed by government agencies, are increasingly shifted to corporations. Look, we love Google here at the material podcast. Um We know that Alphabet has been working in the medical field. We know that this is something the Silicon Valley is going after, uh, particularly this year in 2020, which by the way, just as a side note, I do find it incredibly ironic that like all of this is hitting the same year that uh, maybe not ironic. I think coincidental is the right word. I find it incredibly coincidental that this is all just like happening in the same year. But anyway, I think it, it that is a very good point. That the frustrating part of all this is that we are depending on a private corporation to do to do this triaging for us, versus having these systems in place so that you could just call a number, talk to somebody on the phone, and have them tell you if you need to come in or not. Like it's just points out a lot of inequities in um, in medicine in America. It points out a lot of things that are wrong with the system that we have right now. And not trying to turn this into the podcast of what's wrong with America, but because this is a global pandemic and it is affecting our governments in uh, a particular way, we're all going to see who is able... You know, which which communities, which countries are able to kind of handle this with the infrastructure that they have in place. And quite frankly, the infrastructure of having everything be privatized in this case makes it really frustrating because, again, it is now up to an algorithm to tell you whether or not you're sick enough to go in and get tested. That's just algorithms are fun, but this is not how I expected AI to this is not how I expected that AI would be put to the test. Um and mind you, again, Project Paceline is it's beta. Um, it is super beta. So I guess we'll I, I think I'm gonna take a wait-and-see approach on this, see how it kind of builds up. And I'm really sorry to everybody who tuned in to the president saying that this is something that was gonna benefit the country because There's just, there's just no way. Um, But just to kind of like end this with some stats. So as of March 18th, the baseline COVID-19 pilot program, it's tested more than 130 individuals and over 350 more appointments have been scheduled this week alone. Uh, The first results will be returned in the coming days. So this is two, two days ago, Um, I will be kind of watching to see if we get any results from this, you know, kind of check in next week and see what's going on with Project Baseline. Uh, The online screener, by the way, has been completed by 12,000 people. That's a lot of people whose data is now on Alphabet servers somewhere. So, hey, you know, um, this is what an interesting time to pilot a program like this. Hmm. This episode of Material is brought to you by Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode is the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. They have 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia. And with their enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage option, and their next-generation network, Linode delivers performance you expect at a surprisingly good price. Get started on Linode today with a twenty dollars credit for listeners of this show, and you'll get access to native SSD storage, a forty gigabit network, and industry leading processors. Linode plans starting as low as five dollars. Dedicated CPU plans with physical cores reserved just for you, and one click installs of the most popular apps, including WordPress, Lamp Stack, and game servers for Minecraft. There's more where that comes from. Go to linode.com slash material and use the promo code material 2020 when creating a new Linode account. You'll get $20 credit toward your next project. Oh, and by the way, Linode is hiring right now. So if that's something that interests you, go to linode.com slash careers to find out more. Once again, that's linode.com slash material on the promo code material2020 for that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. And I'm back. I know I cut kind of uh, sporadically in that last act, but uh, my baby started to break down upstairs. And with the way the HVAC is set up in our house, I can hear her screams almost perfectly through the vents in my downstairs office. Uh, and I feel when I hear those screams happening, my body, I tend to have a physical reaction to it. It's, it's really hard to hear your baby cry. It's, and it's a certain kind of crying. It's not the crying where it's like, wow, wow, I'm, I'm hungry or wow, wow, I'm uncomfortable. It's like, I am severely upset by something. I'm not even sure what that something is. You probably won't figure out what that something is, but I need to be held at this exact moment. So what I did is I stopped recording. I went upstairs, and I grabbed her from her little boppy, which is this little indented pillow that you put babies in, and I just held her for a little while, and eventually I had to kind of hold her for another hour or two more after that. Um, Again, this is just new life as a mom. It's it's interesting the things that I do now that I didn't expect to be doing um, even just a month and a week ago before she was born. So that's my new normal, but I'm back albeit kind of a day later, but that's okay because we're just going to go through some of the last news items that have kind of happened this week. And I think that they're still pretty timely given what's been going on in the world of Google. So I was originally going to report on the fact that Google I.O. is not happening anymore this year. And that's a huge bummer for me because I personally was looking forward to coming back to work around Google I.O. time. I had basically planned to come back from my maternity leave hibernation and kind of come out into the sun and into the world at Google I.O., which takes place at an outdoor venue called the Shoreline Amphitheater. And it's in Mountain View, California, which is in one of those counties where Verily is doing coronavirus testing. So I was really looking forward to this happening. It was supposed to take place May 12th to 14th, which is a couple days after my birthday couple days after Mother's Day. So it was going to be going into Google I.O. after what I was anticipating to be a high of a weekend because it's my birthday and then the next day is Mother's Day. So it's like this weekend of just celebration followed by a week hanging out with Google people and hanging out with people that I hadn't seen in a long time and you know, getting to like talk to execs and getting to go hands-on with all this new technology and just kind of getting to be in that world. Um, Google I.O. is a huge, it's a huge event for me as a freelancer as well because it's a great way for me to just kind of network and catch up with everybody in one place. Anyway, that's not happening this year. That's not happening partially because of this global well actually fully because of this global pandemic that's been going on um now google originally planned that or originally announced that it was going to kind of put the kibosh on google io on march 3rd a few weeks after the world kind of realized that coronavirus was going to hit us pretty hard but a lot of us were hoping that google would pretty much put it put it uh, to rest until later on in the year, kind of hoping that it would bring it back. Um, there's a couple of other developer conferences that are doing this as well. So Microsoft is doing this with Build. Uh, Apple's doing this with WWDC. Facebook's doing it with the it Developers Conference. F- uh, so actually what this company is doing is moving it online. I thought that Google would do the same thing with Google I/O because we've already seen that it has some of the infrastructure in place for doing the online keynotes, the online sessions, but I guess it's not happening this year. Now, from my understanding and what I've been reading is part of the reason this is not happening anymore is because there's just too much that's up in the air with folks working from home and working remotely. And I don't know, maybe it's I mean, I can imagine it is kind of difficult to be an events planner and not being able to physically be in the place of the event that you're trying to plan. Um, Google I.O. is a very physical event. This is not like... I mean, I have been to Build a couple of times. I know that that's a pretty physical event that they have like a convention kind of floor where you can go around and, and meet people. I... But I definitely think that it's, I don't know, in comparison to how big Google I.O. is, in comparison to the other conferences, um, just kind of the planned activities, uh, the networking events that go on, the way, the physicality of Google I.O. It's a bit more, I want to say, I don't know, it's just... And maybe I'm just speaking to this as a Google person, so maybe I'm coming to it with like a tiny bit of bias just because I've really enjoyed the last couple of Google IOs at the shoreline. Regardless, we're not getting that this year. Um, In a statement on its IO website, Google wrote, Out of concern for the health and safety of our developers, employees, and local communities, and in line with recent shelter-in-place orders by the local Bay Area counties, we sadly will not be holding IO in any capacity this year. Right now, the most important thing all of us can do is focus our attention on helping people with the new challenges we all face. Please know that we remain committed to finding other ways to share platform updates with you through our developer blogs and community forums. I don't know what this is going to mean for the Pixel 4a announcement that's supposed to happen this year. I don't know what this is going to mean for the new assistant announcements that usually happen around the Google I.O. time. I don't know what this is going to mean about uh, Android 11 and how we're going to learn about it. Does this mean that we're just going to have silent uh, announcements, just, you know, surreptitious blog posts that come through and it's an announcement. Okay, everybody tweet about it, write about it. I personally, as a Google person, as a person who is a fan of Google and as a person who covers it, I personally don't want to see that happen because I think that there's a certain interaction that takes place when these things are announced in the way that they are announced that is healthy for the community. I think it brings about a lot of healthy dialogue. That's not to say that these things are not going to happen, you know, if the Announcements are done sort of quietly and a little with a little less fanfare. But I just, I also just feel like with everything that is going on in the world right now, it'd be nice to have that bit of fanfare to look forward to. It would be nice to have an online keynote or an online event that we could all kind of like tune into, get our online communities together. We're seeing so many online communities coming together right now in this time. Um, since I'm recording this second act the day after, I did end up having my happy hour hangout last night because socializing is important. Um, even with baby in tow. And my friend, she said something that I thought was really, I mean, poignant you know, they're telling us to to do social distancing, to practice social distancing, but is anybody actually distancing themselves socially? And she argued that, you know, this week in particular, we've been a lot more social with each other and conversing with each other a lot more than we typically do in a week. And I think it's because everybody is feeling the pang after being indoors and being told that we can't really – engage normally the way that we would and so i don't know i i think i think it's a huge bummer that google io has been canceled for now uh for this year it's, part of me has a deep hope that google will maybe maybe things i don't know maybe things could turn around maybe we will because of all this uh, staying at home and shelter in place, we will flatten this curve, and maybe this is me being optimistic. Again, I'm not a medical doctor. I don't know how these things really take place. I've been reading a lot, but I've been reading a lot of articles with uh, with kind of fear in my eyes and anxiety. so i'm I'm reading things a little differently than I would say if I were researching for an article because I'm a lot more personally invested, I guess. Um, maybe it's too optimistic of me to say that things could turn around and I don't know, but I do, I do have hope that because those of you tuning in are, I'm assuming just as technologically inclined as I am, that these are things that are going to be moved online so that we can still have these online interactions around these things that we love and that we look forward to every year. So here's to hoping I'm putting it out there. Um, again, Google's a giant company, so I'm thinking they have some infrastructure. There's gotta be, there's gotta be something. Um, I do want to kind of juxtapose this with the announcement this week that Google was pausing an uh, upcoming Chrome and Chrome OS releases. So, Chrome 81 for desktops and Android was supposed to start rolling out on Tuesday of this week as part of its usual six week update cycle. But Google announced that it was pausing those releases on Friday, March 20th. Um, The company cited the quote adjusted work schedules, unquote, as the reason behind the pause. And that again is very much related to the coronavirus and the way things have shifted around that. So, I'm imagining that because of that adjusted work scheduling, um, because they're trying to prioritize employees and and the health of folks, that these things are not going to be happening. I mean, that's making me think, like, are we going to have Android 11 out at the end of this year? As in the usual update cycle that we have? Because aren't they usually churning away at it at this time? Um, I will say there was a a tidbit this week that the Android team mentioned quote, learning how to adapt to these extraordinary times, unquote. Um, The Chrome team had written, our primary objectives are to ensure they continue to be stable, secure and work reliably for anyone who depends on them. We'll continue to prioritize any updates related to security, which will be included in Chrome 80. So security updates are still happening. Um, but I think the big stuff is taking it's gonna it's gonna slow down. things are gonna slow down this year and I'm very curious to see how much is gonna slow down in our world of technology because of the coronavirus. Again, I know a lot of you tuned into this podcast hoping to kind of get away from it all, but the reality is what the reality is. I'm gonna say if you are having a tough time, um, I want to just kind of close out this podcast and say, please reach out to me. I'm on Twitter at Oh, that Flow. Um, I have a discord. There is a link floating around on my website, Florence If you want to join, sometimes I post the link, uh, during the week on my Twitter feed. I post a, uh, an expiring link though, because I, I don't like bots and I don't like mean people. And I want to keep it a safe community. I want to keep it a safe uh, space. And if you're feeling like you could use a safe space right now, I just want to offer that to you. Um, I have every intention of keeping the material podcast a safe space for folks during this trying time. You know, we are going to keep talking about what's going on in the realm of Google and kind of following along with the company and the changes that it's making in adjusting to what's going on in the world right now. Uh, But we're also gonna talk about the things that we really love. And um, as we're all stuck at home, you know, there's still a lot of technology that we can play with. There's still a lot of apps that we can play with. And so write me, let me know if there's anything out there that you have come across in the Google play store that is bringing you a lot of joy um, I know Animal Crossing came out this week for the Nintendo Switch. There's a lot of people out there playing the game right now. If there is an app or something that you love to use in conjunction with a game or what have you, like let me know. My ears are yours. My eyes are yours. I'm here for you. I'm just kind of hanging out at home with my baby. So I'd love to hear from you. And this is me signing off for this week and saying goodbye. And um, I hope you are all taking care of yourselves as well as you possibly can. Until next week.